From the offices of Palo Alto Software in Eugene, Oregon, I'm Sabrina Parsons, the CEO, and you're listening to our Bcast Bytes. Right now, there's a, you know, you, you see, you see these breakout hits with like Serial and Invisibilia, which was another podcast that was launched. There's a hunger for this kind of stuff. And like, if you, if you hit the sweet spot, like you're reroided with audiences in the millions um, fairly quickly. That's radio journalist, entrepreneur, and founder of Gimlet Media, Alex Bloomberg, talking about the kind of opportunity that exists for podcasters. He recently joined me by phone to talk about Gimlet Media, the startup podcast, life as a company founder, and why high-quality narrative audio content is still what drives him. Alex was an executive producer of This American Life, co-founded and hosted the Planet Money Show for NPR, and has won every major award in broadcast journalism, including the Peabody. He left a long career in public radio to pursue his latest venture, a for-profit podcast network called Gimlet Media. He chronicled the launch of his business in his hit new show, Startup. The show, now in its second season, has shifted its focus to telling the story of a female-led startup called Dating Ring. If you haven't heard the Startup podcast and are running or starting a business, I really recommend you check it out. I think you're going to love the honest, transparent approach that Alex and his team take, and you're really going to learn what it takes to start a business and the hurdles along the way. So I wanted to focus and ask you a few questions about Gimlet Media and you as a founder and your struggles with what kind of a founder, what kind of a business Gimlet was going to be um, in terms of lifestyle business versus super high growth business. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've come to really like when I first heard the term lifestyle business, I didn't really, I did, it was the first time I'd heard it. And when I first heard it, it sounded really good to me. Like, you know, like somebody described it as like, I don't know, it's a, it's a business. You don't have to do that much work, kicks off a couple million a year, you know, small time. And I was like, <laughs> that sounds like a dream for a lot of people. Uh, also, I think it is a dream in that I don't think there are many businesses like that that you aren't born into. But if you're starting a, I don't know, I mean, I haven't come across people where, yeah, I don't do much work on my business and it kicks off a couple million a year. Like that that seems like a little bit of a fantasy. Uh, and so I think it's like, I think it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a pejorative term where one is not needed. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know why you have to throw shade at small business people who are, working every bit as hard probably as you know people who are trying to build the next uber or whatever like i i think you know tell you know somebody who's starting a restaurant for the first time that like they're not working that hard you know like i think you know you're out of your mind and then i think also even like the distinction between even as a even as a useful term for describing like the scale or scope of a business i don't i don't think it's really that helpful Basically, because I feel like there are certain people for whom, you know, your personality is huge, world-dominating, I want to be bigger than everything, that is sort of in my DNA. And then you're probably not going to want to just start a restaurant. Like, that's not for you. And then there's other people who are just sort of like, I want to create this one space that I, that I love and I feel very proud of that is like, you know, my business or my restaurant or whatever it is. And that's what drives me. And I'm going to be working just as hard. I'm going to be working night and day on that and thinking about it all the time. But I just have a very different ambition. 
uh, than somebody who's trying to start the next Google. And so so I, I think every business is a lifestyle business. It just sort of depends on what kind of lifestyle you're going after, you know? And like Travis Kalanick, the founder of Uber, I think he enjoys that lifestyle of being the head of a multi-billion dollar company. Um, and I, I think there's lots and lots of people who would not enjoy that lifestyle, who would free, who would you know, be killed by that lifestyle, you know, literally like would just, you know, they're, they're, it's just not in their DNA to even enjoy that. So now that you brought up Uber, cause that was a, another question I had, um, you had that great conversation in one of the episodes of startup with Chris Saka. And he told you that story about Travis visiting his family and how just singularly focused he was at being the best no matter what, you know, a, almost a year into it and you have great venture capital investment and you guys are growing. Do you look back at that conversation in any different way? Do you feel like you're changing and embracing a different Alex Bloomberg or are you still sort of looking at Travis and saying, that's great, but I never want to be him. Oh, uh, th th I think very clearly. Like, I think that conversation was very clarifying for me. I mean, clearly, I'm not Travis Kalanick. Like, obviously. Like, nobody would ever mistake me for, for, for him. Like, I'm, I'm like, I, am I officially middle-aged now? I'm like almost 50. I've got two kids. I've got like, uh, you know what I mean? And I, I come from public radio. If I was Travis Klanick, I would have been, you know, I would have been on my fourth venture and I would have been doing the Silicon Valley thing for like many, many years now. I had to get comfortable with that as like, here's the kind of founder I am. And it's, it's I think, fairly obvious to all of our investors that that's the kind of founder I am, uh, including Chris Saka. Like, I don't like he's one of the smartest guys in the business. Like he knew who I am. Right. My prognostications about the future of my company are probably the is probably something that I'm the least qualified to assess actually because that's not what my strength is you know I don't know <laughs> I have no idea what a 50 million dollar company looks like I have no idea what a hundred million dollar company looks like I have no idea like what kind of offices like how many employees do you have what are you doing like that is not my strength my strength is sort of understanding like there, here's this world in which I which where I where I felt there's an opportunity and I'm acting to sort of meet that opportunity, uh, and and that's all I can do. And if huge growth is in the future for us, which I think there's you know there's a definite possibility that it is, uh, that's that's wonderful. I, I don't think that it will have tra the trajectory of growth that an Uber has. Um, I don't think you can start a media company, and we're basically a media company. I don't think you can start a media company and and grow from zero to, you know, infinite uh, in the span of time that, that, that something like Uber or Google or some sort of breakthrough technology can do. In terms of that, when you think about growing and getting more people on board and kind of all the people management that goes along with it, how have you dealt with continuing to make sure that the culture is what you want it to be? and that you have time to think about it. You guys are growing, you, there's a lot of pressure, more shows, hire more people. How do you have time to deal with that and make sure that you build the culture that you need and want in the context of, but we don't have enough people to do, do 
you know, to do everything we want to do. Well, I, th- I mean, I think that is that is a really good question and something that I think about a lot. Because right now, uh, m- my main focus is sort of still editorial. Like my my job hasn't changed that much from what it was at Planet Money. Like a lot of what I'm doing is listening through to first and second drafts of the shows that we have. You know, we have three shows. I'm still hosting this season of Startup. I will probably continue hosting next season of Startup. Uh, I'm still um, and I'm still like sort of the executive editor for startup and for our new show mystery show um i have gotten a little bit out of the executive editing business for reply all which has been fantastic uh and they have and their team is like you know just really gelling and and getting more self-sufficient and producing some of the best work that i think they've ever produced and so that's been that's been wonderful to see and i think what like what i hope is that that'll be the process is just sort of like to you know, raise them basically so that they can stand on their own and then watch them, you know, flourish. Like that's, that's my, that's my dream. You want people who are running, you want the hosts of the shows or the people who are sort of running these shows to feel that ownership of them. You know, I mean, everybody, all our employees have stock options. That's, that's an advantage that we've borrowed from the Silicon Valley world. That's, that's nice to be able to offer people. But more than that, I think you want to like really what most people that I'm interested in working with, what they want is they want to feel like they have creative ownership to execute their vision, but they also want the support to help them do that. And I feel like that's where, that's where I feel like I understand that dance. Like you, you want help in executing a vision, but you also want somebody who's not going to like come in and, and bigfoot it out or whatever. And so, and that's a tricky dance. And I think a lot of people don't fully understand it like they're either like okay well we'll just everybody's like a super auteur perfect self-starter and we'll just like give them a a desk and then they'll create some something magic and that doesn't happen or you know you're working for us and you do what we say and you know and that's i don't want that either you know what i mean so i I, i'm trying to like create a, a home for people where they can where they can really do something that they're proud of and they're supported in that but ultimately it's it feels like theirs what is the hardest part today of, you know, running Gimlet and executing on your vision? I mean, the hardest part today is sort of still the hardest part at the beginning. <laughs> it's sort of like it's really hard to make good stuff. And like that's the thing that we're like focused on every single day is like how do we how do we make these shows great and like how do they stand out and like how do we make sure that we're doing that and um you know the 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 hardest part is is the is the creative process it's always been the hardest part um and i think i think there will maybe come a time when that's not the hardest part for me when like i've like where the company is so big that i am no longer involved in any part of that um and I'm not sure how I feel about that. And I'm not sure if that will actually happen, you know. But but right now, at the size of our company, where it is right now, and where where our mi- number one job is to just continue to produce stuff that, that people respond to and, and enjoy, um, that that's our that's the hardest thing is just doing that. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to make. It's hard to make something good. And things want to be bad all the time. And you have to continuously fight to make them good. I mean, that's a great point and something that I think a lot of people who will listen to this from B plans should remember. I mean, I think you see a lot of it in, 
you know, products out in the marketplace, are they just out there to make money or are they really something that is trying to be really good and, you know, make a difference in some way? And there's different kinds of founders and small business owners. Some people are out there and all they want to do is make a profit and other people really have a vision and quality is a very important piece. Yeah. And I feel like that's like, and and like for us, our bond with our audience is the most important thing that we have going. So like that's the thing that I'm just constantly thinking about and making sure that we're like providing stuff that our audience will enjoy and will that feels um you know honest and transparent and so it's just that is the thing that is like the thing that you know that's the thing that I'm that is always on my mind and how to continue to do that as we scale. Well, Alex, I really appreciate your time. My 11-year-old was very excited I was talking to you. So, he said <laughs> awesome. to tell you that Timmy says hi. Oh, we'll say hi back. That's really nice. And tell him I was very I'm very touched. All right, great. <laughs> thanks so much. All right, thanks. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, send us an email at bcast@bplans.com. That's bcast at bplans.com. Our theme music is by Jasinski. The Bcast is brought to you by Palo Alto Software, makers of bplans.com and LivePlan. Visit bplans.com for everything you need to start planning and growing your business.